0: 10th episode. Hey, double digits of Work Stoppage. This is we did John, as always, and I'm here with my co-host, Lena. Hello. And we have uh, a bunch of stories to get to today on this episode, but first we have a little bit of follow-up that we wanted to do. We finally got good follow-up to one of our stories. It seems that the iron workers in Bath that we were talking about a couple of episodes prior Um, have actually received the demands that they set out uh, to strike for. So congratulations to them. Uh, That's really, really cool.
1: Yeah. They managed to get a three-year contract. Uh, I think it's in the article it said that pretty much all of their uh, demands were met, an annual pay raise of 3%. They actually had particular rules on um, how the company can hire subcontractors I'm not entirely sure on the details of that we're actually the article that we're learning some of this stuff is from a a time magazine article and honestly (laughs) it's written like shit uh the the half of the article hand rings about why uh the workers need to start getting along with management in order for them to get all these competitive contracts and uh and it it really just like just Screams of like conservative view on labor, um, and not only that. Like most of the way through the article, they uh, cite this think tank that literally, like out of nowhere, they're just like, "Oh, this person from this think tank says that the workers need to get along with management better." And <laughs> then you look up the think tank, and it's like a fucking pro military, like, uh, like policy think tank. And yeah, the, the like, fucking Cato like, no
0: Institute, or the fucking Institute for Progress, or whatever.
1: Yeah, so, so like, great, they got workers, but the whole thing also, like, I think there's a quote from Joe Biden in here, this is, uh, uh although I don't think that the Joe Biden quote was in this particular article, it was in a different article I was looking at, but it said, uh, Joe Biden said, um... In uh, in standing up for what is right, the local S six members show the power of collect of their collective voice and the power of unions to ensure workers get a fair return for their work. And that's oh very God. nice, very nice, very very sweet. Uh, you, know, I bet he would not say that about any other fucking union. This is actually, uh, he, the reason why he's saying that is because this union is part of the military industrial complex, and we all know yeah. Joe Biden is a big proponent of that industry.
0: Well, that's why there's so many opportunities for there to be, like, a lot of conservative spin on this, right, is because these workers are basically providing the military-industrial complex with the kinds of, like, machines and uh, manufacturing and... and uh, assembling that they need to continue to do imperialism. And that's why it's right. easy for somebody like Joe Biden, who is ostensibly like, Oh, he's a pro union guy. He has a kind of a good record on unions, which is not really true. But, uh, furthermore, it's just like, this is a, a very safe, Union conflict for him to wade into because it feels like you're very stereotypical, like American white middle aged guy swinging a hammer union worker. And that's the kind of quote unquote, like it's not even the kind of worker Joe Biden supports. That's just the kind of narrative about workers that I think Joe Biden supports.
1: Yeah, and I think that something that really uh, <laughs> uh, talks about like or explains like what you're talking about is literally to the first paragraph in this Time, uh, time uh, Magazine article. Uh, and I, I know I'm just reading quotes here, but I, I think that this one's important. Uh, A 63-day strike at Bath Ironworks... Against the backdrop of a pandemic in an election year came at came to an end on Sunday with ship bil- shipbuilders voting to return to their jobs producing warships for the United States Navy.
0: Now uh, listener, I'm not laughing because yeah. the article contextualized the strike at Bath Ironworks against the backdrop of a pandemic in an election year. Like those are relevant, but they're not relevant in the ways that this is gesturing towards. It's just saying like, Oh, isn't that so crazy that they decided to strike now. It's kind of like how if you, it's if you read them, yeah, and if you read the like the metamorphosis just to go on a tangent. If you read the metamorphosis in high school, like that's a book about like a man so crushed by the systems of oppression and industrial capitalism that he's living through that he actually transforms into a bug. And then your English teacher is like, "Yeah, this is a book about how like life is just generally kind of weird." That's what they're doing with this paragraph. It's like, yes, this is important because it happened during a pandemic. Yes, this is a, a weird and opportune time for unions to strike. Yes, it's an election year. So there's going to be external political pressures weighing in on this, but they're just kind of hand-waving all of that away and saying like, oh, isn't it so crazy that these things happen all at the same time? God, who well, life comes at you fast. You know, you, you never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This whole story has always been like this, though. I mean, we've been ever since we started covering it. This is the third time I think we're covering it, yeah. And uh, and it's and every single time, what we what we talk about is like good for the workers for standing up for themselves. Fucking hate the military-industrial complex, and it's always that. That is going to always be the discussion in union fights like this.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like I think a lot of people are. Of the opinion that it's like, oh, you know, if you're a union person, if you're a union organizer, then your struggle should should begin and end with the well being of the people that you represent. And it's like, yeah, they're your primary concern, but I think you definitely should also be thinking about like the repercussions of what your work brings into the world. Like one of the strikes that I admired most, even though it didn't really last, was the the Wayfair walkout over building beds for Immigration Customs and Enforcement. You know, so oh yeah. And it's like I I really appreciate when people are willing to put down their tools and put down their their workspaces not just for their own benefit, but for somebody else's. And, you know, I'm not saying that like, oh, shame on these Bath Ironworks workers for for not doing that. But I am saying that somewhere along the line, there needs to be a conversation about how this fits into the grand scheme of what's good for workers and what's really just good for people generally.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that another really great example is that, like, if we were to compare this strike with the the work stoppages that were happening at the ports at the. dock workers
0: right yeah which was a big solidarity strike and had a lot more of those um i i don't know more like politically conscious elements i guess you could describe them as um yeah and speaking of being politically conscious uh we wanted to talk about the detroit teachers uh whose union has recently authorized a strike with a vote of 91 to 9 percent which is um it's I think good. really let it's amazing and it really lets you know like where teachers priorities are at right now because can you imagine what it would be like if you were a teacher i mean some of you probably are teachers and and what it's like to go back to school during a pandemic knowing what you know about children and how hard it's going to be to keep masks on them how hard it's going to be to keep them doing any kind of social distancing which is to say completely and utterly impossible and then to still on top of the children's health and your own health being at risk be expected to continue working this job for like the same wages and all this increased responsibility, wiping down surfaces, balancing in person and online classes. Uh, it's just a, it's a ridiculous thing to put on teachers who are already undervalued, underpaid and overworked. Just like they're almost the figurehead for being those three things in American society right now.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I definitely agree. Although, and I, and I feel like I'm, I do this I I hope not too often, but there are downsides to the way that this union has gone about this particular action. I think there's a reason why we see 91 to 9, and that is because they specifically put in the language that it wasn't a work stoppage, that they had no intention of really stopping work, which I think is what they did is that's kind of expecting to win, because in reality, their demand was that we are not forced to go back to in-person teaching, Right. In fact, that's in one of their demands and I'll get to that as well. But, um, so the, the point was, is that if they weren't given an option to teach remotely, there was going to be a work stoppage. So I I really think that the way that they phrased it was a little dishonest and maybe that it was dishonest to try and get people in the union to be more supportive or to get the community to be more supportive, but like, let's not bullshit around. It was a threat of a work stoppage.
0: Right. Yeah. It's interesting that they felt a need to say like, well, we're not actually threatening a work stoppage right now. We're kind of threatening to threaten a work stoppage. It's like, oh, you might make me angry. It's like, why don't you just threaten the work stoppage right up front and throw all your demands on the table when everybody's feeling organized and everybody has that sense of like collective power.
1: Yeah. And so I I had a little bit of a gripe with that. And like I said, it could just be the way that they wanted to do messaging. Right. Um, But I guess that does bring us to what the demands actually were in uh, regards to this possible strike. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, uh, I think that some of them are good, some of them are neutral. And there is one that I think uh, is kind of negative, but it ends up turning out to be a positive. So we'll get there. Um, Yeah. Uh, So developing a new reopening plan with the union. So that's specifically saying democracy in the workplace. If you're going to have a reopening plan, you're going to negotiate with the union. That's, I love that. That's that's yeah. awesome. Um, offering hazard pay for teachers and other staffers, and agreeing not to outsource school services to private companies—fucking awesome. That's important.
0: That rules Abs- keep keep Betsy DeVos out of our fucking union uh, disputes and labor
1: disputes. Right, and then we get to some like the ones that are I think are neutral, neutral good or whatever. Uh, creating a health advisory committee that includes the city and county health officials. It's like getting the community together to talk about health. Great seems not so specific to like the workshop, but I mean, I'm glad that they're trying to do advocacy in their own communities with this, with this threat as well. Um, then, uh, offering in-person learning, uh, to special needs students while, while waiting until the region moves back to phase six, I don't know something about coronavirus and like, basically, uh, I think that that's an interesting one because they're, They really, I hope that what their goal there is to make sure that they are as safe as possible with these people who need, like, who would struggle too much to be uh, on a computer screen learning. Well, Uh, I think it is
0: very smart to leave room for, it's like, well, some students definitely do need in-person instruction. You know, it's just, it's much, much, much more conducive to them learning like that and learning on the computer would be a huge challenge. But it's it's tough to balance that in safety, right? Because it's also like saying, hey, you're kind of some of the most vulnerable students in the school. Come in and maybe get COVID in the classrooms, you know? Yeah. So I'm of two minds of what the best thing to do is there.
1: Right. That's what my problem was, is that it doesn't explicitly say that there will be additional, like, work at making sure that they are safe. Right. I think that there should have been some qualification in there. Yeah, Definitely. The one that I had an actual gripe about was uh, this last one, and it's giving staff a chance to opt out of in-person work if they or a family member is considered high risk for COVID-19. Now, see, that's the the, the good. Hold on. I'm going to get to the good part before I actually give my gripe. The schools themselves said that no teacher is going to be required to teach in person. So that's... that that's we, we, we We solved the hole in that one right there. But just the fact that the union is deciding to demand that we should be means testing who can and can't keep their, keep themselves safe is terrible. It's yeah. it's, it's bad positioning and bad work. Well, because it's, like,
0: high risk according to who? Like, according to the CDC, according to, like, White House guidelines, according to the World Health Organization, according to the fucking school board, like... You know, and then everybody's going to say, like, look, you know, I'm... We're
1: all high risk. I'm <laughs> high
0: risk, yeah. Like, how can you not be high risk what, in a situation I breathe like air. this? Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. I definitely have a, a respiratory system, so I am super worried about this. I would consider myself at an extremely elevated risk due to my <laughs> active uh, lungs and heart. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, so so I, I really think that... Uh, I'm sure that... I mean, the intentions are good. So I don't want to nitpick way too hard but i do think that uh creating means testing within the union program as like a first demand is literally giving concessions immediately and i'm always against conceding immediately i think that that is always a bad plan
0: that's right but overall kudos to the detroit teachers for authorizing a strike
1: yeah and um monday at noon there was a, a solidarity protest from some uh, people in the community i didn't have a ton of information about it but it does show that there is enough people in that community who do care about the teachers and like are willing to go out there and 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 fight for them and that that's really awesome too
0: yeah that that is really awesome but speaking of something that is not super awesome we have <laughs> something that was just so fucking shocking when i saw it that we felt like we had to share it with you
1: we're leaving the United States for this one. We, we actually like pretty much all of our content has been pretty pretty well centered within the United States because it's really what uh, what we're more familiar with, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to labor law and, and all of that. But this one, this one just takes the cake. Yeah,
0: this is some real this is some real fucked up shit here. So we're going to one of the only countries in the world that is arguably as fucked up as the United States. And that is Brazil, folks. It seems like a man whose name was Manuel Moises Cavalcante uh, died after suffering a heart attack at a Carrefour, which is a like a, a retail store, like a grocery store in Brazil. And what happened after he suffered this heart attack was that the store stayed open and constructed like a makeshift barricade around his body out of cardboard boxes and then covered him with open umbrellas until somebody could come to remove him from the store.
1: These are like patio umbrellas.
0: Yeah, I saw the photo and you can't see him under there, but seeing the pile of umbrellas and knowing that that was their solution for... Uh, not even like a, 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 corpse, like their recently moments ago, still alive coworker or employee or however you want to work at, look at it is just so tremendously, like just, I don't know, uh, uh, cruel, uh, negligent, heartless. Uh, there's the, the list goes on. Um, apparently they were, they tried to give him first aid, But uh, when he started suffering from the heart attack, but he could not be revived. And apparently since this has happened, because there was a lot of backlash against the company, uh, they have changed their policy so that in these what they call quote unquote rare instances, if an employee dies, they will actually close the store now. So
1: they have to have a policy for it. They don't actually have the like the inherent dignity in their in their person to to do it. They're like, oh no, I'll get fired if I if I show this dead person any dignity. Yeah, that's the
0: thing. Like, I I hate to be the guy who's like, oh, if I had been there, I would have done it differently. But like, if I'm ever working somewhere and one of my coworkers dies on the spot, I'm shutting down operations whether my manager tells me to. Or not, and I know a lot of people who work at like grocery stores and stuff don't have a ton of like job security and can't go gambling that all the time. But like, I don't know. It's it seems like if one of your coworkers dies, like <laughs> that's like if there's a fire in the store, right? Like you have to shut it down <laughs> at least for yeah. a minute t- yeah, for everybody's health like, and safety.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, like that is actually a pretty good comparison. I mean, like if someone was to say, like, what's as bad as a fire? I don't know, someone dying.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, that's it's so insane to me. Um so yeah, for apologized and they they wrote this long apology re- letter which I have copied here but i won't bother to read you the whole thing it just says some shit like Carefor apologizes for the inappropriate way it handled the sad and unexpected passing of mr moises santos victim of a heart attack blah 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 the company made a mistake by not closing the store immediately after what happened as well did not find the correct way to protect mr moises body we reinforced that as soon as the sales promoter started to feel sick we did the first aid and we activated samu following all protocols for so they're basically just trying to to cover their ass as much as possible they're like we tried to help him before he died. And then when he died, we did a bad thing and we're sorry. <laughs> and it seems like that's all that they're going to have to do to continue to operate in Brazil. Because, like, who's going to, is Bolsonaro going to shut this guy down or, th- or this company down? I sincerely no. fucking doubt it.
1: Yeah, I I I feel so terrible. This this just seems so. I want to laugh because of how absolutely absurd this this whole thing is, and I and it, like I, I'm thinking while I was listening to you explain it, I was like, oh wow, I I think I would use the umbrella photo as the um as the cover photo for this art, and then I was thinking, oh no, it's gonna say work stop. It in bad taste. Yeah, and that's like, not good. <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm I'm like no no. Th- oh but then that's funny but then that's terrible and i fucking hate it (laughs)
0: that's the thing about this is it's like a fucking it's like a fucking kafka novel or like a fucking existentialist play like it's just the absurdity of the world that we live in cranked up to a thousand except it's not a piece of fiction it's a piece of journalism it's a real thing that happened yeah and so there's like a part of my brain that is like, you know, there are things about this that are so absurd and so difficult to grapple with that you almost have to laugh. And then there's another part of my yeah. brain that's like, if you don't laugh, you will like start screaming and pounding your fist on things in outrage. Exactly. So if I seem a little extra giggly, it's out of no disrespect to um, this man who died or or his wife who, who uh, has a quote here condemning the company. She said, I was outraged. Apparently human beings are worth nothing. People only care about money. And then I also found out from reading the article that Carefor isn't even a Brazilian company. It's a subsidiary of a French supermarket group and one of the largest retail chains in Brazil. So... You know, it's wow. hard to even say across international lines and across the Atlantic Ocean like that, like how much accountability is, is there going to be from this French holding company, you know?
1: Oh, probably none. I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the barrier that like it's kind of like what it, it's like the colonizer apparatus where they just they go in and they have all of the, they have their they have their wall to protect them from any sort of liability. Right. They exploit people in, a, in, in the global south and then things go bad and then things don't go bad for them.
0: Yeah, standard French imperialist playbook, very similar to the standard uh, English or American imperialist playbook. Yeah, Yeah, so that is really, really uh, just bizarre and absurd.
1: Speaking of imperialism, we can actually get to our next story. That's right. Because the people affected in this were actually people uh, that were rehoused within the United States borders because of nuclear testing near their islands in the Pacific, the the Marshall Islands.
0: Yep, so there's a really big... um, contingent of Marshallese people, uh, people from the Marshall islands, which is kind of, um, it's off the, the West coast of the United States quite a ways. It's actually closer to East Asia than it is to, um, the United States. It's like almost twice as far as Hawaii, but, uh, the United States conducted God, like, um, 60 something, 67 nuclear bomb tests in the mid 20th century, right near the Marshall islands. And so they developed a thing called the Compact of Free Association, which basically said, we're so sorry that we dropped all of those bombs near your islands. In uh, in apology, we're going to give you a pact of free association that says it's really, really easy for you to get into the United States so you can become an exploited immigrant worker. Hooray. Uh, and that's the U.S.'s idea of apology. Right. And that's exactly
1: what we're going to see in this particular story, because there's a huge population... Of these people who live in uh, Arkansas. That's and right. And work yeah. it at a poultry processing facility, correct?
0: Yep, it's a poultry processing facility. I saw some statistics that were saying something like uh, 40% of the people who work in these poultry processing facilities are uh, Hispanic or Latino, uh, mostly immigrants. And then like something like 16% or 12% or uh, something like that was um, Marshallese, which is amazing because there are not that many. Marshallese people period. I mean, the islands aren't very big. They're not super densely populated. So to have this really high concentration means that there must have been some kind of system of specifically saying, Hey, Marshallese people, when you come to the United States, you should come to Arkansas and work in a poultry processing plant. And then, of course, these plants are not only exploitative, underpaying, uh, manipulative employers, but also they've been experiencing some of the worst upticks in coronavirus cases to the point where they're estimating that about a quarter of the people working for them uh, have contracted the virus and about a quarter of those all work in Tyson plants. So there's a bunch of different chicken processors and I guess you manufacturers, I don't know, chicken distributors in this region, including, um, Tyson, uh, George's and Cargill. And this wasn't really brought to anybody's attention. Until Eldon Alik, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, the Consul General for the Marshall Islands in Springdale, Arkansas, sent an email to a bunch of local leaders, mayors, legislators, uh, saying, I hope you're all well and healthy. I'm not. I'm not well because my fellow Marshallese citizens are not well and are dying at an alarming rate. His phone had been ringing all week, he continued, with news of Marshallese people who had died of COVID-19. How many more lives will it take for us to do something? I understand that the poultry plants are essential, and that we must continue to to open to get the economy going, but not at the expense of people's lives, which for me i I don't know I almost say just shut down the tyson plants. I don't need my my incredibly cheap Walmart chicken right now, like if it's costing human lives i'm I'm cool without
1: yeah yeah absolutely i and I think that this has shown uh just a continuation of The problems that we see in food processing plants in general and how food processing is a highly exploited uh, industry, uh, at least for the workers. We
0: we all had to read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair in middle or high school. And then that's literally just about the brutality of working in a meat processing plant or meat packaging plant. I forget. And then we... Like like myself, we don't have the fucking collective memory to be like, oh, yeah, meat processing, that's a famously exploitative industry to be working in. And then people don't like to think about where their food comes from or think about the things that actually uphold the basic necessities of their life. So when this makes its way out into the media, it doesn't really get a whole lot of attention. And I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this, just one or two already fairly pro-labor or, or pro-immigration rights outlets.
1: Yeah, honestly, when I was even doing my some of my research for the episode today, I think that, like because you, you definitely added this to the structure, because I, I don't even think I saw it in uh, some of the lists that I was looking at, and I was specifically looking for stuff to talk about for this show. Yeah.
0: I was just lucky. This came across my feed on Twitter from um, just, I don't even remember who posted it. It was just some small account that I happened to follow uh, retweeted this because some, somebody close to it, I think in Arkansas was talking about it and I picked it up from there. And I mean, I don't even remember where it came from because it wasn't on a major publication. I mean, this article is from an organization called facing south.org, which they might do fantastic work. It seems like they do, but I had never heard of them before. I don't know who that is. Yeah. So this is just really, really, um, it, 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 it hurts to see that, you know, in a country that already handles, immigrants and immigrant workers in such a violent and uh uh callous and and, and negligent and even outright hostile way that we're also seeing Th- that even just within their normal workplaces they're facing such an increased risk of catching covid they're facing such an increased risk of potentially dying from covid and then there are no on the job safety protocols standards ppe is not available because these people are treated by their bosses and managers as you know not even humans they're just something yeah, on the payroll expendable. sheet that makes yeah they're they're an expense that's literally all that they are.
1: Uh, what is it? Uh, human capital or something like that? Yeah, human uh, capital. <laughs> uh, such a gross thing. One of the reasons, another reason that this is a, a great story for us is that uh, there's a group that's helping them organize and basically try to get them to shut down. I think it's just one Tyson plant, but there. This is an organization that's probably going to be working with a lot of different chicken. Uh, and poult- or, I mean, with poultry producers in this area, but uh, workers right. uh, created a petition with 100 signatures basically demanding that the factory be shut down and cleaned. Because that's one of the things that they say does help, I right. guess. Well,
0: and then they delivered that to the management of the plant, uh, which predictably kind of went nowhere and then they made several ap- appeals directly to the uh, governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, who, it says in the article, continuously also brushed aside workers' concerns. Uh, so Venser Amos organizers delivered a second letter in mid-July to the government demanding plant shutdowns. And, um, you know, I... I think in a situation like this, like I really appreciate the work that they're doing, but I don't know if you're ever going to get the governor or the manager of a Tyson chicken plant to ever be like, yeah, we should shut down the plant and, uh, and, and clean it. So, I mean,
1: mean, we did see that with the Allen brothers, uh, where the, where the member of the company did not meet the, uh, demands of the people and the until the governor like forced them to, but that was also right. up in like Washington, right?
0: Right, that was in Washington. Yeah. So, and uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know much about Asa Hutchinson, but I think a Republican governor in Arkansas is maybe not going to, uh, maybe maybe will plant their feet a little bit more firmly on their position and not not budge as much. But I really I really hope that Vince Ramos and that everybody who works in, in these poultry processing plants. Uh, gets all of their, I mean, that's the thing I, I want to say, I hope that they get their demands, but it, this isn't even a story about them being organized. This is just a story about how high the COVID rates are among these workers. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a, a fund or something to direct people to, uh, that could help these people out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll dig one up after we record and, and attach it to the episode notes.
1: Yeah. No, because I, I, that's another thing is I, I when I saw these in, in the notes, there's not like a, a real action that's going on this is like we just need to like point out how bad things are yeah it it's it's important to do this and like especially this story is just absolutely horrifying especially since there are no actions happening i think i think that that, that makes this even more like just terrible
0: yeah and my heart really goes out to anybody who you know immigrated to this country for the promise of work and the promise of maybe a more stable income than they were able to get before. And then who has to put up with, you know, inhumane and potentially lethal working conditions. And then plus also, you know, with these thousands upon thousands of workers catching COVID, even if uh, a, a really large number of them don't die, of course, any deaths are unacceptable, but the ones who catch it and recover might still have complications. You know, this c- COVID can bring on all kinds of things that affect your heart and your lungs. If you have emphysema, if you have any other preexisting conditions, it can really inflame them. It can uh, bring on uh Guy, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's two French names, Guy Barre syndrome, which will literally give you temporary p- paralysis and, and make you unable to walk for a little while, which takes a long and expensive uh, physical recovery from it's just, it, it, it's really grotesque that we are subjecting people who already are undervalued, underrepresented, underpaid, under, you know, they have no safety net, these kind of workers. And then we're saying, oh, in order for us to all get our chicken, they need, it's okay if they all catch COVID. You know, it's okay if if COVID just runs like wildfire through this immigrant, through this largely immigrant uh, labor community.
1: Well, and that's the reason why it won't get the news coverage that it deserves is, is specifically because the people in power don't give a fuck about these people
0: yeah well and you can't even play it up on tv because if you show this on tv and you're like oh look at the plight of these people half of white america will just be like oh they're immigrant they shouldn't even have been here they you know this and that we should call ice on them anyway like they, they're just gonna say horrible shit and be like oh they deserve it it's like the same mindset like where you still see people who are like, Oh, George Floyd had a gun and George Floyd had enough fentanyl in him to kill a horse, which is just simply a not true, but also b totally and wildly disrespectful and misses the entire conversation that's happening. So this is not something that's easy to like pump up on TV and be like, yeah, let's get some outrage going about this because a lot of America is conditioned to not give a fuck already.
1: Yeah, well that's our that's our individualism and our and our nationalism and just the way that we are literally taught through all of our schooling to not give a fuck about anyone but people in America but then you know that we don't ever take into consideration that like a, there are a lot of people here who who have different needs.
0: Well, it's like a shrinking scale of like who you consider a person and who you consider worthwhile to have like rights or however you want to phrase it. And it's like, obviously, you should think that all people should have that unless them having that poses an active threat to everybody else is having that. But then in the United States, you have the this mentality that's like, well, I only care about them if they're American. Uh, I really only care about them if they're from my region. Well, anybody outside my county can honestly go fuck themselves. And then it, pretty soon, it's just like, just me and my gun. That's the only people <laughs> I'm defending right now. And it's yeah, like, well, you how far are you going to get doing that?
1: Yeah that's like all the people voting for joe like i just want my personal freedom so just like you just have a freedom to die that's it. yeah
0: right that's, <laughs> that's exactly him yeah so this is truly horrific and and i mean like honestly i don't know who the first person i would hold responsible for this is is it like is it the management at these plants is it the parent companies of them is it the fucking legislators in the state is it the governor like i don't know i think they're all they all share a, a piece of the the blame in this yeah
1: Right yeah. I mean even even kind of the US government as a whole for the original displacement of these people and the the horrible way that like they basically lost their home because we wanted to be able to kill hundreds of thousands of people.
0: Yeah, we were like hey, our weapons of war Uh, They need to be a lot better. So we could, I think at that time we were still thinking we were going to nuke the Germans and just, you know, irradiate Poland and France as well. And we were like, hey, just, uh, oh, so I guess we'll just drop these near, uh, these these islands out here. There's probably not that many people on them. It probably doesn't matter. And it's like, you're not even doing that like as an act of war. You're just doing it to prepare for potential future acts of war. That's like such a highly... Bureaucratized form of murder that it's like I can almost forgive somebody who stabs someone in the face more than I can forgive someone who signs a piece of paper that lets another person bomb another person. Like, at least I can kind of understand the in the moment actions.
1: It's and it's funny how this is basically like kind of played off as like not an act of war. Like, is that not, isn't isn't that just like we're describing an act of war?
0: Yeah, we just accidentally bombed you. Hey, no big deal, right? We'll let you into our country now. You know, it's it's totally great here. Trust us. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> oh. America gets away with so much stuff because we poise ourselves as this, like, oh, we're the land of opportunity. You can make more money here than anywhere else in the world. And it's like, yeah, if you're a horrible, exploitative, like, monster who already has a decent base of money to get started, sure, you can succeed in America better than you can succeed everywhere else. But it's at the expense of every other fucking person in the world and especially in this country and the countries that we do imperialism on yeah
1: i, I want i really want <laughs> i wanted to find a way to transition from that into the next one uh, but i guess we would just like i don't know fuck the police or yeah, something speaking like of that scary
0: Let's... and depressing <laughs> stuff that might negatively impact your outlook on how things are going but is important to face if you want to be an active force for good in this country it seems like the police are just directly surveilling uh union organizers now i mean they've always done this but there's a there's a resurgence they finally figured out how to use a hidden camera (laughs) the 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 police finally (laughs) have the technology that prank shows have been using for the last 25 years
1: (laughs) yeah so i i I want to get into why that's actually so especially funny because they weren't even supposed to do it the way they did it. But basically, (laughs) they put a hidden camera inside of a high voltage box, pointed at a union organizer's home um, and they got caught because apparently one of their fellow activists got suspicious, literally climbed up to the box, opened it, and found the camera and that allowed them to do the research that led them to find out that this was actually a Memphis police camera.
0: God, imagine being one of those two people who's like standing around and they're like, I think something's fishy with that box up on that pole there. And your friend's like, that sounds weird. Are you sure you're not imagining (laughs) anything? And you're like, "Mm, I think we should kind of check it out. And your friend's like, all right, I can climb up there. I'll check it out. And you, your friend climbs up there and opens it up and there's actually a fucking camera in there spying on you. Like you must've had like a a fucking Truman show moment, like fucking scanners gift, just brain exploding everywhere. Like, Oh my God, they really actually are. And it seems like the Memphis police were not smart about it either. Like a hidden camera shouldn't be identifiable to the naked eye. 15 feet up on a communications pole like did you really install it that ineptly
1: yeah well and uh, i mean they did because generally what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to go through the, the local municipal utility structure in order to actually do this sort of thing but okay. apparently they skipped that step not yeah. and i'm, I'm guessing they're supposed to go through the utility uh structure but it was because um they literally put it in a high-voltage box. Yeah, which, I also which is <laughs> super dangerous.
0: <laughs> and it's also funny because this article that we have about this, which is interestingly from a Fox affiliate, I'm surprised to see a Fox affiliate being like, hey, the police spied on a union organizer. I'm like, doesn't this run everything counter to what your parent company has to say? But... um yeah. It seems like the the reporters at this Fox affiliate were able to get most of their information through MLGW, the local like u- municipal utility organization, because the police kept declining comment and not returning emails, <laughs> and not even making a statement about it. It's like they just got caught with their pants down, and their only recourse is to pull them up and run away. Like that's all they got. <laughs> I mean,
1: they actually literally did that. They went after after a complaint was filed. Uh, about this camera the next day the police were seen actually going and taking the camera out of the box
0: oh my fucking god just not even trying to be like (laughs) surreptitious about it just being like yep that was ours you caught us sorry about that (laughs) keep uh sleep with your sleep with one eye open (laughs) you know hey you might not see us but we'll see you later hey (laughs) oh that's all they (laughs) yikes oh i can't handle (laughs) it. But anyway, um, another interesting thing about this is that there is a federal consent decree that prohibits MPD from doing anything like this. So what they did was technically illegal. And if you ask me, they should be arrested and prosecuted for crimes. But who are you going to yeah. send to arrest them themselves? Their buddies right. in the county police? Their buddies mm-hmm. in the state police? Like, I don't think it's going to work.
1: Who are we going to arrest? Yeah. And I, I personally, I don't like going directly to, like, carceral logic. Just like, But, I mean, like, we always say, you know, uh, prison abolition doesn't begin with these police officers.
0: No, it doesn't. And it's like, you know, do I do I think they should really be thrown in jail? Like, no, I think a whole new system of justice should be set up that is able to handle the kind of accountability and the kind of like the kind of well thought out justice that needs to happen to police officers, but we don't have that and that's not coming anytime soon. Like I'm not going to wake up in a few months and be like, wow, did that new system of restorative justice get set up already? God, that was fast. Came up overnight like a McDonald's. (laughs) Um, I don't think that that's going to be what happens. So in the meantime, there does need to be something done about this. And I don't know. That's the other thing. I don't know if there really is any legal recourse against the cops. I don't know if that's just, you know, a dead end right now, because Uh this is small enough that a federal district judge could just like Eh, dismissed and sweep it right under the rug
1: Which is probably what will happen I mean honestly I found this Because uh Chloe of Scratchy Blanket actually was sharing this article okay. And uh And and I was I mean She's she's a great comrade always post Some cool stuff and uh And just like seeing this I was like Wait what they got caught With a camera yeah. And, so and, I, and I was like, this is going in our notes. I, that's, yeah, And then, then nothing happen.
0: happened, but then nothing fucking happened. Like there was a little reporting on it, like locally. And it made circles in like, it made the rounds in like our leftist, like anti-capitalist, anti-cop internet circles. But like, again, this is not the kind of thing that gets a lot of public attention. Like this is a million times more important than I, I don't know, Donald Trump, uh, standing funny during an address or Joe Biden missing a word in a sentence or Obama wearing a tan suit. Like, but will it get that kind of media attention? Absolutely not because our priorities are not set up like this. But if you are a labor organizer, if you are doing any kind of activist work, like be very careful. It's no secret that police departments view you as the enemy. And it seems like it's kind of at the individual police department's discretion to handle that however they want. So, It could be a hidden camera in a high voltage box. It could be, you know, a being found dead in your car and then having it ruled as a suicide. So, you know, just, I, I don't know if I necessarily have any tips or helpful information on how to stay safe. But just have a heightened awareness and and please be really careful out there because the police definitely – I mean don't, don't be paranoid. Don't let this turn you into a tinfoil hat person who thinks that like they need to pull out all their fillings because that's how the teeth are getting – or that's how the police are getting information about what they've been saying. But like just do have a, a reasonable and rational heightened awareness that – the police are not your friends. And that doesn't just mean that like if you encounter one, like don't help them or, or like, you know, know your rights. It also means like watch out because if there's suspicious police activity in your city and it's near your house or it's near the house of a major organizer or something, there is a very realistic chance. I don't know how high it is, but there's a very realistic chance that they might be just fucking straight up spying on you.
1: Yeah, well I mean they they do know who the the loud people are. They they know exactly right. who they are and where they live because they follow they follow organizers, whether it be a union organizer or people out there leading protests. Right. I mean these people's lives are in danger because the cops want to know exactly where they are because they want to be able to shut them down. They yep. they will find any way to and any excuse to attack any sort of organizer that is out there fighting for justice, whether it be for workers, whether it be for black lives, whether it be for anything that is not imperialist, basically. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of fighting for justice, we wanted to do a little highlight on a, uh, a woman whose, whose um, child was uh, killed, uh, died in 2018 after jumping from the 16th story dorm of a, of Duquesne university and, and this uh, mother, uh, Danielle Brown, uh, she has been on an over 50 day hunger strike to yeah. get accountability and resources from Duquesne university to which they have not yet acquiesced.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's currently Tuesday and I saw a post about her today saying she's on day 53, I believe Jesus, that is so long
0: to go without food.
1: Yeah, she's getting some nutrient supplements, I believe, and water, basically. Uh, But basically, she's been trying to get information about why her son died for a very long time. And basically, Duquesne University is telling her that... She has to bend over backwards and do everything their way specifically, which is actually really just a way of never actually delivering any information.
0: That's right. I mean, Duquesne University is a huge organization. They're a massive uh, Catholic school, Catholic university that has a lot of fairly prestigious programs and stuff uh, right in the heart of like downtown slash uptown. Pittsburgh, like they're a big deal and they're a big part of the local economy around here. And to see that like they can have a death on their campus and the parent of the child who died could be left in the dark for over two years and have to jump through all these hoops and and resort to an over 50 day hunger strike, like I think is really damning of one of the the bigger institutions that exists here in the city. And I think is also indicative of, you know, what you might see happen at a lot of other institutions of its size.
1: In the city of Pittsburgh, specifically, yeah, but yeah. Um, I and I also wanted to bring this up because I thought that this was an interesting way to, like a different, like a different kind of strike, in a way that, like, so this is technically like one person, though there are lots of people in the community uh, showing solidarity with this, with this one, uh, this mother, and and I and I thought that like it was an interesting way to organize, which is have a like a super compelling story. And go out there and say that you're serious in a way that, like, will get people's attention. And uh, and I think that it uh, it, was—we've seen—or at least I've seen a lot of people um, posting about this and uh, holding solidarity with uh, Danielle Brown and— And I think that it's just an interesting way to organize. And I thought that that's one reason why I wanted to bring it up here, but also because this is another example of systemic injustice against uh, people of color. Like this is, this is just another example. This is the, the university being a cop.
0: Yeah. If this was a rich white kid who had died with rich white parents, I think that Duquesne university probably would have been upfront and given them everything that they wanted. And I think that it, probably is a very significant contributing factor that the family in question here is black and that duquesne is an old and you know i don't know from firsthand experience or anything but i'm gonna venture i'm gonna venture a guess a very racist institution filled with very Uh, racist people
1: yeah actually i was around in the pittsburgh area when the they were trying to organize a union there and the statement right. from the from Duquesne, I believe, was just, like, your classic, like, anti-union, uh, this is going to put a wedge in our community bullshit. Like, this is the—I I, I, always—whenever I hear that, I just love that meme, the, the all right, what we do is we want you to work together, and then, uh, like, forms a union like a boss. No, not that, not that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing. And like, you know, I don't know if hunger strikes are always like a really great uh, tool, but I think in this case, especially since it's like, it's very personal, it's a person who's directly affected by this. um, Like, you know, what, what other choice did she have? Honestly, kudos to her for having the resilience and the commitment and the, and the drive and the dedication and the love for her family to commit to a, a hunger strike and carry it out for over 50 days. I would have trouble doing a hunger strike for even just sunup to sundown. So honestly, like nothing but props to this woman. Uh, I really, really hope that, that she gets what she's looking for from Duquesne university and that there is also a process to more broadly hold Duquesne counta- accountable for this kind of thing, because it seems like there is a pattern where if something bad happens on their campus, they just kind of tap dance their way out of all accountability for it, which is insane to me.
1: Yeah. I think that that, we see it a lot in, in very powerful structures because mm-hmm. they don't want to be held accountable and they know that they're powerful enough that if they just keep, like, hanging up the phone as soon as they find out that it's someone talking about justice, that the sooner or later they'll just win and everybody will give up.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, um... Speaking of dividing people and trying to win, I think we wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about the election. (laughs) Not too much. Literally
1: literally two minutes. Literally
0: two uh, minutes.
1: Yeah, so we've seen... The way that uh, we're being expected to vote for what Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, cop, Kamala
0: Harris, yeah, cop. who gives a fucking federal um, prosecutor and the author of the crime bill, yeah, oh, that's yeah. going to get the voter base really rallied up,
1: yeah, and then and then like what like two days ago or something, we saw Richard Spencer endorse them, and basically like I I have this uh this will lead into the meme review I I don't have it right. Here, But one of the ones that I saw today was, uh, who are you voting for in November? And it's a blue uh, rectangle and a red rectangle, and they both say fascist.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) literally exactly what it is. It's like, in a lot of ways, Joe Biden is a carbon copy of Trump, just the, like, blue, you know, true blue Democrat flavor instead of the crazy out of left field or out of right field, I guess, um, conservative Republican. And it's just so fucking made up because, like, I'll be talking to people on the job site and I'll be talking to people who, you know, maybe I don't I haven't talked to a whole lot before. And they'll say things like, oh, this is the biggest election decision of all time. How could you even choose oh, Joe Biden and Trump are like polar <laughs> opposites? They're so different. And it's like, no, I think they're the most similar candidates in an election between the Democrats and the Republicans. In quite some time, even considering how similar some of them have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thesis on this whole thing is basically just like. Joe Biden is a war criminal with pee in his brain folds. Uh, Donald Trump is a war criminal with pee in his brain folds. Uh, third for Mike Pence. And then Kamala Harris is bad, but just for a whole other host of reasons, mostly involving being a prosecutor and putting people away for marijuana convictions. And then going on the fucking breakfast club and being like, yeah, I smoked weed. I inhaled. It was nice. Enjoyed it. And it's like, well, maybe you should let all those fucking people out of jail then that you put in yeah. jail for fucking marijuana charges. Like, Oh my fucking God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's got a pretty horrible, horrible history.
0: She's got a terrible record. I mean, and uh, that's the thing is like, people are like, Oh, so you and your friend, I I had a Trump guy that I was working with last week. He was like, Oh, so you and your friends are probably all voting for Joe Biden. Huh? He was like real smug about that assessment. He was like, (laughs) yeah, y'all, y'all just are on the Biden train, aren't you? Oh, Kamala Harris, She's going to be the real president. Joe's probably going to die. You know, he's probably not going to make it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't know who the fuck you're talking to because like, (laughs) <laughs> if I could, if I could vote, and my vote would actually determine who the president was, I would like—I don't even know who I would fucking vote for—but Joe Biden and Donald Trump wouldn't even be anywhere near my list for consideration. Yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah. To wrap wrap that up, fuck both, fuck fuck yeah. both of those parties, fuck them all,
0: fuck them all. Yeah. I don't care what you do in the election. I'm not here to talk about yeah. electoralism. It's not a struggle. That's. I, I, one labor union struggle representing six employees at a random store means so much right. more to me than the national election right now.
1: Yeah, I think that that could we could we could easily wrap this up by saying, uh, are either of the parties good for workers?
0: Oh yeah. Well, let's see. Republicans, that's a definite no. Democrats, that's a definite no. All so right, no. fuck them both. <laughs> fuck them both. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to the All super right. fun part of the show. We can finally relax. Yeah, the meme review. We're going to talk about, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about wet ass pussy folks, <laughs> but, uh, it has really riled a, up the conservative we're, base.
1: <laughs> we're actually, we're talking about Ben Shapiro, the fucking we're talking loser. About ben
0: Shapiro folks. <laughs> Uh, he got so upset by the common, uh, pr- by the the popularity of "Wet Ass Pussy," the song, that he actually posted a bunch of tweets about how his doctor wife told him that "Wet Pussy" was actually. Possibly a sign of a medical issue, and that it should be treated by a doctor. Uh, and then, of course, everybody from the center all the way to the left on Twitter and every other platform was like, "Wow, Ben Shapiro has never sexually aroused anyone in his entire life."
1: <laughs> yeah. His his response today, before we get to the memes, was, uh, "I think that everybody's really clever with this." Uh, except for the fact that I've got two children, so you do the math. Like seriously, it's like one was, of those. Was that like, one real? Was that a real tweet? Because
0: some of the ones that have been popping up have been fake, it but then seemed he tweets really real. stuff. Then he tweets stuff that is as brain genius and as much of a self own oh. as the fake stuff, and I can't tell anymore. Um
1: <laughs> What's that what's that uh that uh where yeah, where you can't quite tell if it's um it's the something effect fact or whatever. I don't know. But it's one of the, it's whether or not something that's like too, like too vague to like, we can't tell if you're being honest with how crazy you're being.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell if this is like, but that's the thing about Ben Shapiro is at least to his credit. And I don't know if this is actually to his credit. It might be to his detriment. Um, it does seem like he honestly believes most of the things he says. Like, obviously he has some tactical opinions that he really only holds because it lets him be more popular or makes his other opinions gain more ground. But I think Ben Shapiro is like 25% grifter 75% legitimately just a fucking dumbass just one of the stupidest least politically educated people on the planet
1: yeah speaking speaking of we can actually uh go to the memes themselves which is like uh one of the the change my mind guy table and it's like (laughs) wet pussy is a liberal conspiracy change my mind it's just like (laughs) yeah so just put one idiot's face on another idiot's face. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess the change my mind guy is like some famously like dickhead college guy or college professor. I forget what the story is, but the source for all of those memes is such a douchebag. But now that, the, yeah. you know... The, that well, that's he, eliminated from this.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then also my favorite one out of all of these though is the is it's a SpongeBob meme where yeah. uh, <laughs> it's the from the episode where I think where SpongeBob is the main is a is a maniac and the cops are holding up the picture of him and the the cat the the, the the fish cops are like it's Cardi B in the internet holding up a sign that says What ass pussy and it's Patrick just like cringing from the from looking at the, <laughs> the photo and that and Patrick is. Um, is labeled Ben Shapiro caption, or is la- labeled Ben Shapiro? Yeah, and he's
0: he's just recoiling in absolute <laughs> horror. And I mean that really has been like fucking Ben Shapiro's like visceral reaction to this whole thing is he's just like this needs to be stopped. This is the kind of like cultural Marxism or whatever. He's like you know, and he doesn't even have the the decency to like. Separate liberals out from the left. He's just like they're all one thing. The liberals are the left, and they all they all are conspiring together to make me try to believe that wet ass pussy is a real thing. (laughs) Right. I don't don't know where his stance is actually. Like what what's his thesis? Which is just like
1: I think your analysis on the way that he like thinks is actually kind of really exemplified in that third photo. Yeah, I mean the third he just that we have? To,
0: <laughs> it's just Ben Shapiro gesturing, and it says, what else, pussy, is another lie pushed by the left? If what pussy exists, why have I never seen one? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think if, that that is...
0: If people having a good time during a conversation exist, why has nobody ever had a good time during a conversation with me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so good. That's so good. And then our our last one um, is uh, absolutely no one in 2020, uh, colon. uh, Shapiro's wife's body when he wants sex. Darude Sandstorm.
0: Darude Sandstorm.
1: Just like, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, if you ever see pictures of them together, like I don't want to harp too much on somebody's personal life, but it does not look like they have... um, chemistry
1: this reminds me of like when uh when people divorce like we see the articles about uh wives divorcing their husbands because they voted for trump like i just that's <laughs> I, all i can all i can imagine is that's what's that's exactly what's gonna happen uh some someday
0: yeah i mean how many men going their own way has ben shapiro generated with this wet pussy truther Uh, line of attack (laughs) on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's a hilarious (laughs) way. way That's what it
0: is, right? (laughs) He's like, This is a conspiracy. George Bush didn't do wet pussy, the ISIS did wet. I don't know (laughs) where this goes. (laughs) It's so fucking so deranged to me. I can't keep a lid on it. Yeah,
1: it is. It's very funny. yeah, Yeah,
0: I guess the thesis of this meme review is that Ben Shapiro is a fucking idiot. You should have already known that if you didn't. uh, Welcome to listening to your first episode of a leftist podcast ever. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, This has been the episode. We're really glad that you've stuck with us. I'm sorry that there was no episode last week, but a lot of scheduling issues came up. Um, I have another show called Beep Beep Lettuce um lena helps out in the death panel discord a lot and does a lot of yep. um cool stuff you can follow her on twitter at solidarity you can follow me at facebook villain and am i missing anything lena
1: you can go ahead and if you want an extra episode uh you can go ahead and become a patron at patreon.com slash work
0: That's right. And we will see you. Oh, and if you want to help out the show a little extra, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And with that, we will leave you for another
1: week. Thanks so much for listening.
0: See you.